God is faithful. Um, but Brother Ray's going to come up in just a second. Before he does, I do want to share this. Not next week, but the following. Those are the last two weeks that I'll be on my, my sabbatical. The following after that, so three weeks from now, um, I'll come back with a word. And the word that God has been placing on my heart um, that he's been preparing for me is on offense. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of it right now before Ray comes up to prepare your hearts. But it's very, very simple. Very simple. Anybody ever been offended? If there was like anybody who doesn't raise your hand, you got a really big one coming because it's adding up. But anybody ever felt offended by somebody else? And in the scriptures in John 6, 61 to 62, Jesus addresses the disciples. And he says, does this offend you? And when he asks that question, he's talking to them about him being, uh, his flesh being bread, like eat my flesh. He's talking about drinking my blood. Now, when you're, ta- when you're sitting naturally, like in the physical with somebody, uh, as, I'm, as I'm talking to you, if I give you an analogy or, or something that isn't literal, like eat my flesh, right? If he said that and you went and bit him, it would probably be weird, right? But he was speaking something deeper than the physical act of, right? But, but and so you, can, you have a level of understanding when you're present with the person, right? You have a level of understanding because they're there in front of you giving it to you. So there's, there's a, a level of understanding. He says, does this offend you? And the reason why he's saying that is because he's saying, I'm speaking to you like a person that you can, to where you can understand it. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. My flesh is the true bread. My blood is the true drink, right? He's saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood. But he says, does this offend you? And then he says, what will you think when you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven? Now, he's, he takes them somewhere they can't imagine because they've never seen resurrection from the dead before. Anybody in here ever seen a physical resurrection of the dead? So if I talk to you in terms of like my, my body's the true bread and my blood's the true drink, and you're saying, okay, I kind of get what you're saying, but this is a hard teaching. And then I say, but I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this place. I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to ascend. If this offends you, how offended will you be when I'm not here? And I know to us, we say, what does that mean? Can anybody really wrap your head around that? I'm going to help you right now because I believe God gave me the revelation. I'm going to expound on it more in a few weeks. Offense is not being able to see what God is doing. This is why when the scripture says all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, all things is all things. That means even when they insult you, it works. Say amen. How about count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds? Well, how can you do that if you're looking at the trial? You have to see pass. Somebody say pass. You have to see beyond it, right? How about don't count it strange when you face trials? Well, how do you not count it strange? Because you see past it. How about this? Oh, death, where is your sting? How can the sting of death be lost if you're not beyond it? So... If I were to cuss at you, and I'm not going to because, I, I, you know, Bible says don't cuss, right? No. But if I was to hurt you, slander you, curse at you, talk down to you, misuse you, and then you were stuck there, it's because you can't see how God's using it. So what that means is your flesh, your human reasoning is always offended with God because it cannot compute how God would use a betrayer like Judas 
religious people like the Pharisees, how God would use sickness like leprosy in order to display his power. Come on, somebody. Because you got to first be sick before you can get healed. You got to be shipwrecked before you can be rescued. You got to die before you can live. So, as our brother comes up, come here. He's our, one of the three elders in our church is, is raised been totally a God sent, um, you know, like many of us, we know we take none of the credit, none of the glory. We know this is a full work of God. But as he brings the word today under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we throw off our offenses. Right now, you say, I can see past it even though I don't know what's going to happen. May not know why I'm here. May not know where I'm going. May not know when God's going to deliver me or who he's going to use. I may not know how he's going to do it but I know he will. Somebody say that. I know he will. You have to know that to receive what's coming. Because if you're stuck at your offense, you're going to miss a lot of what God wants to say. And I don't even know his word, what he's going to share. But I do know this. The anointing of the Lord is here. And he doesn't make mistakes. Amen. Point your hands towards our brother as we pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Use Ray, for your glory, and let your will be done. And we all say, I'm ready. Go ahead, say it. I'm ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Was that powerful earlier? I'm just rejoicing with, first of all, with what God is doing, rejoicing with the parents and rejoicing as a body with all of you. And then I'm rejoicing that I got to see an old friend from our job sites from, what, 20 years ago maybe? We still look young, brother. Uh, that was a little humor. Um, <clears throat> A couple of months ago, uh, we were uh, fellowshipping, a couple of, of us men. Tony was there. And, and I shared with him that uh, a story of my mother when she passed on. And I want to touch on her a little bit more. But I want to start with saying that uh, when you share with Pastor Tony, be careful. Because you'll be up here next No, God is good. It was it was his timing. He was involved with it, and it had nothing to do with Pastor Tony. Amen. It was from God. I want to open up by sharing a verse with you. And I asked the Lord this morning, don't let me be standing up there. Remove the flesh, remove the intellect of the ray man of what I think I know, but let the word come forth with boldness and just empty me out today as you use me to speak to your people. Give me clarity, I asked him. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial 
and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me, all of us, completely. There is nothing hidden from God, absolutely nothing. And then when you are in a unity of believers that are spirit-filled, then they read your mail because the Lord gives them the mail to be read only to love on you and clarify things. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> Today I wanted to talk about the pouring of the, of the Spirit on us. God, from the beginning of Genesis, has poured out on us and lavished us with so much. And four weeks ago when the brother says, you're going to give a word. I said, okay, where do I start? And he didn't speak. But I said, I know he's going to speak to me, so I'm going to carry a piece of paper and a pen, and I'm going to start writing down those small little conversations as I'm driving, as I'm going here, as I'm going wherever I need to go, he'll speak to me. So I did that for the last almost four weeks. And he brought me to a lot of scripture. And the first scripture that he gave me was Genesis 1-2. And I said, oh, Lord, I'm not going to read the whole Bible, am I? <laughs> he says, if I tell you to, you will. Okay. We, I don't care if they have dinner with me tonight. So, <laughs> thank God for humor, huh, with the Lord. Um, but there has been an, out, an outpouring of the Spirit on us since the beginning of time. So just grab your Bibles if you want. Follow me. The Lord brought me to different paths but in the completion of the path, when the journey was done through this day, for this day, and for the Lord, he brought me back to the cross. And that's where we all need to be, and that's where he brought us this morning. And that was the beauty of it all, the splendor of God. Genesis 1-2, it says, by the way, I want to I wanna share my age. This is my laptop. Well, while everybody is using this, 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 this ain't going to work. But anyways, it says, Genesis 1-2. The earth was formless and empty, and the darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So we have darkness, and we have the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. Then he brought me back further into the scriptures, into the New Testament, to 2 Corinthians 4. And I forgot to write the verse, but, but be patient with me. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts. What verse is that, brother? I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Thank you, brother. And I'll, I'll repeat this verse because this is really important. It kind of ties in with what the Lord showed me in Genesis 1. For God who said, let there be light in darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts 
so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Christ. So the Apostle Paul is drawing a parallel there with Genesis and then in Corinthians. And that is that there was a darkness on earth that he brought in light Christ into this world. And the parallel is the salvation of a sinner. That we were once in darkness, but that Christ, not even ourselves could have brought us there, shined down on us and took us out of darkness. And that light lives in us now today. And you saw the light. You saw the light this morning. It had nothing to do with anybody in this body. It was all Christ, and he gets all the glory for what took place. <clears throat> so let's go now to the book of Joel, 2.28. So I want to make you guys... Uh, I'm going to make you guys work for a little bit. So just, like I said, be patient with me. Um, God had me going through rabbit holes and another rabbit holes. And, but it was wonderful, though. Joel 2.28. Um, then after doing all, these, all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Is that not going on right now? It's happening. That the Lord has poured out his spirit on us so that we can prophesy. And it's all for the glory of the Father so that he can advance the kingdom because he is returning. And we anticipate that when he does come. So Joe's predicting an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. While in the past, in the Old Testament, under the Levitical law, it was only given out to kings, judges, and the prophets. But now, because of Christ and the atonement for our sins, he lavished this with the Holy Spirit because of the death on the cross that was pleasing to the Father. Now, we have to get something, in, and this is going to, before I came here a year ago, has it been a year about, Tony? A little over a year? Um, there was some clarity that was poured into me. And it, it, it was the clarity of the Spirit that was, it was the Spirit of God that was giving me clarity. And what I just said to you guys right now was that God poured out into the kings, the prophets, and the judges, the Holy Spirit, because they were chosen for a time. But through Christ, he chooses us. And I was under the impression, now get this, this is where it's a little twist here, is that we think in our own intellect that we choose him. Well, when did God really start needing us? He doesn't need us. He desires to have a relationship with us. He loves us. Enough to send his son to die for us. But he truly doesn't need us. And, and for some of us, it's kind of hard to accept. And I kind of struggled with it. And I'll be transparent. I was like, why well, chose God? Because I remember when what took place this morning, I want to stay away from the altar call. 
I'm going to say it was God prompting them, wooed by the Spirit, to come up here and stay in the presence of love. And then God uses the pastor, Brother Tony, to speak love of Christ in him to them. So it, it's kind of hard to accept that, but we have to remember that he chose us from the beginning of time. That yet while the foundations of the earth were, were still being formed, we were already chosen. So grasp that, because that's the truth, okay? And I know I'm not going to make a lot of friends right now, but um, those who are teaching that, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the scriptures. This is this is our love letter for our hearts. Okay? That's our love letter. It's the scriptures. It's telling us that that's not occurring. That I you don't choose him. He chose us. He chose every single buddy that's coming in that door. Okay? And I'm rejoicing right now with brother Saul. Cuz I've been where he was at. When he seen his son walk up here, and my bro my son, my brother in the Lord, my son Austin, was there over years ago. So I'm rejoicing with you, brother. I love you so. It's the manifestation of the Lord. We cannot get any credit for it. Okay, let's go to, there uh, we go, raise workingness again. Let's go to Malachi 3.10. And as I read this, Malachi 3.10 is talking about, I don't want you to take this out as, as a prosperity message. There's more to it than just opening up the heavens. Okay, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in the way, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough. So, we know that the father is the owner of all the cattle on the hills. We know that even the seats that we're on right now, the clothes you're wearing, belong to him. Okay? So, he's not talking about the finance part of it. Okay? What he's talking about is the suggestion is made in there, but I don't even think it's a suggestion. What he's trying to tell us goes deeper than that. Is that... When this was written in the Old Testament, the Jews were told to give a tenth to please the Father. Okay? But it's deeper now because if we fall under grace, how much more should we give? He says that your life should be as a living sacrifice. So is it really the the 10% out of your paycheck? No. It's not that. It goes deeper than that because he wants to draw you deeper into his presence. Praise God for that. Boy, I was getting, I was, uh, it reminded me of the movie Rocky. When I was, when the Lord had me uh, put this together for him. I felt like I was getting beat up in the ring and I went to the corner and I told Mickey, Cut me, Mickey. I can't see. I was just getting just beat down, but it was a oh man, it was a good beating though. 
the Lord was pouring into me, and I'm so thankful that he did not spare the rod on his child. Lord, continue to beat me with the rod. I'm okay with that. In Acts 2.17, let's go there. Uh, I know I'm kind of moving a little fast. I'll slow down if I have to. I'll get you guys out of here by 6 o'clock. Oh, wait a minute, that's Tony. <laughs> I love you, brother. <laughs> All right, Acts 2.17. Thank you, Jesus. In the last days... And God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. So God is affirming to us that he is God. God is who he says he is. And God is the God of promises, what he says he will do. And I remember when Tony came up to me, he goes, brother, I'm in, in the middle of the pandemic, he says, the Lord told me that he's going to give me a church. And I said, praise God. Because I knew he would. And now you guys are sitting in in the building. You guys are the church in the building that God gave us. Through the pandemic, while all the other churches and businesses were being shut down, God was pouring into this body of believers and making things happen to show the city of Fresno one thing. I am with my people and I say who I am, I say. And this is my promise because when the Lord gave Brother Tony a vision, the Lord gave him provision. And now we have, a, by the grace of God, a roof over our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. My heart's racing right now, I have to be honest with you. If there was a monitor behind me, you would see going like that. But God is, God is good. He is delivering the message. Let's go to Acts 10, 45. Acts 10, 45. The circumcised believers who have come with Peter were astonished. That the Holy Spirit was poured out to the Gentiles. Now remember the Gentiles. They weren't the most popular people. Okay, back in that time. They, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they thought they were on top of the chain food when it came to God. But little did they know when Christ came, it was all backwards. That he would use the, the rocks, the Gentiles, to cry out his name. Okay. Um... <clears throat> They were astonished that the Holy Spirit was poured out to the Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Astonished means sudden and usual great wonder. They were in wonder because they didn't think that would happen. They were only privileged to that at that particular time. <clears throat> There was no suggestion. This is what blows me away. In that scripture, the Jews thought that by keeping the law, circumcision, and all the biblical laws, and all the other five, what was it, 500 laws I think they made, like 700 laws, don't spit in the ground, just different laws, 
that they were all supposed to be kept. But right here, it doesn't imply for the Gentiles any type of ordinance or any type of rituals. It was just the simplicity of believing in Jesus. That that's all that the Lord wanted from us. Because even the Levitical laws weren't being kept. They couldn't do it. They tried, but it could not be done. This is why Christ had to come into the world to save us. So as believers, we know that the Father, and there's many more other scriptures that the Father pour, speaks of pouring out into his believers. But this is what the Lord gave me, and I pray that it ministered to you as it's ministered to me. And I'm not done yet. You're not going to get away with it that easy. Okay. Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah now. Isaiah 53. I love the book of Isaiah because uh, um, every time I read it, my valley fever hits in and my eyes start watering. And it's actually the, the, the dry air, so I'm not really crying. Yeah. Uh, so let's go Isaiah 53.10. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was like a criminal. He was put into a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him. He's referring to Christ now and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hand. God is offering his son as a sin offering to us. And the Lord, without sin, Christ, all God and all man, was the body. The atonement for every one of us here. That he will sacrifice himself. That when he was still in heaven, he saw it occur. Because he is omniscient. He can see all things. Omnipresent. He can be all places at one time. So even when he came in the form of a, of a baby into the manger, he already had seen his death. So the blood of Christ was poured out. To make us acceptable to the Father. No other sacrifice was required. And this is why I said earlier. Even. Even. Now please. Don't take offense to this. This is going to sting a little bit. But it stung me. Okay. That even our deeds. And even our ministry at times. The Lord says. <laughs> they're like dirty rags. It is Christ in us that makes us acceptable to the Father. We can't add to that and we can't take away from it. I said the other day, when the proclaimers of the gospel are preaching the word of God, ensure to the Father 
that this letter that was written to us is taken out and put back in the way you took it out. Because it is no longer of God, you just manipulated it to accommodate your sinful life. Thank you, Lord. Don't spare the rod, Father. Thank you, Jesus. So, with that said, if the Lord sacrificed himself, what do we have to say about that love? Like the song. What can we do? What can we say? What actions can we prompt ourselves to do? What is acceptable and pleasing to the Father? Okay. Do we continue to sin? Knowing that he's already lavished us and cleansed us, do we continue to go back and, like the scripture says, like a dog, eat their vomit? Has anybody seen that? Have you seen that? If you have a dog, they eat their vomit. That's what the Lord is saying of us. That our sin is so detestable to him that we're like a dog going back into the sin and we're having a freedable with it, whatever it might be. That touched me. And I remember when I first heard that, I go, oh, how bad can that be? And then I seen the doggy and I go, oh, that's not good. Man, Lord, you see it like that? But sometimes a, a guy like me, <laughs> a guy like me has to be shown. You know, I, I tell people I'm just like a knucklehead. I, I, Lord, you got to show me. I'm like uh, Jerry Maguire. Show me the money, Lord. You know, and I, he, okay, be careful what you ask for. I'm going to show you this dog throwing up right now. He's going to eat it. Man. God works, I'll tell you, God works in mysterious ways. So, we are to live our lives in obedience. It is to be a reflection of the walk of Christ when he was on this earth. And the example is, is here. It's your example. It's like the owner's manual of repairing a car. It repairs us. He's the surgeon. He fixes us. He removes stuff that is growing in us that doesn't need to be growing. The cancers of our life that need to be expelled. Removed, cast out. The demons that we allow to come in and we keep going back to. But even... Even in those times, he's still keeping us. He is still working in us. And I know Brother Solis, we've seen some stuff out there. We've seen demons in those settings. And they weren't flesh and blood. They were real. But they were attached themselves to men. So we have to ask ourselves, does our life reflect the love of Christ? In our walk, or do we just talk the talk of Christianity? Hey, okay? we can get by really good all the time. You know, good morning, my brother. Hey, 
And then you walk away and say, hey, he's a chump. You know. You know. But now, don't we not do that, though, if they offend you? Let's be real with one another. But see, what we're getting right now is a little piece of heaven. This is what it's going to look like in heaven. All of us together with Christ. So how can you not get along with each other here? If you think you're going to get along, so you're going to have to die to get along with them in heaven? No, it starts here. Okay? This is God's order and God's plan from the beginning. I'm sure that when he, um, when we ate the fruit and he cast us out, I'm, I'm sure that he, he grieved. Okay. So let's go to uh, Ephesians 5.2. Thank you, Father. Ephesians 5.2. Okay. It says, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Christ's love for the Father led him to the cross. When you come in those doors for the first time, Christ is prompting you to come in through those doors. When I was in the back seat for the very first time 20 years ago, it felt like this, and the preacher was talking to me. But it was Christ that was prompting me when they did the invitation to salvation. And my flesh was like, no, Lord, I can't go up there. I, I still, I'm still clinging on to the world. But God sent his son, and Christ was obedient to the Father, And he gave his life for us as a ransom, as a sacrifice, because it was his body that the Father requested, not ours. Wasn't ours. Okay. This type of love of what we read about is in us right now. And it's beyond affection. I love my wife. Oh, do I love my wife. And then sometimes I want to give her one of these. But it's the love of Christ that makes me take the gloves off and love on her. Had I not have Christ in me. <laughs> no, she loves me. She loves me. But she didn't expect that one. But you know what? It works both ways, sister. Am I not right? Yeah. Now I'm getting the... But what I'm getting at is this. No greater love is Christ in us. Because he compels us to love. He compels us to say, okay, don't let the sun go down. I got to go and talk to him. I got to talk to my wife and apologize. And then, then, then you hear the words, but you weren't wrong, right? Oh, I know, but I got to apologize. You, got, you have to understand that if the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, what does it matter who's wrong? If the Father, if the if the Lord went to the cross while we we were yet still sinners, and He saw us before the foundations were formed, 
and we were chosen, that's the love that is in us for those who are unlovable, for those who are unteachable, because we were there. We were there, every single one of us. And we're not made whole and complete until we are in the presence of the Father in heaven. And then even then, we say, okay, now I got it right, I came to heaven. No, even then, he is the greater. He is the greatest, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. <clears throat> It just, it's, it's eternity in heaven. It's a sacrificial love. It's a sacrificial love that hurts. It's got to hurt you. And not the pocket. I'm not talking about the pocketbook. Because it's easier for someone to pull out the pocketbook and give them a dollar in a corner. That'd be away from me, you know. Pray for them. Okay. Those are the, the least of them that the Lord is talking about. The ones who are high on whatever. The drug of choice. The ones who are like myself. I'm not going to say I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm healed by the, by the grace of God. And I've, I've been sober for 16 years. Me and my wife, October 1st was 16 years. Praise God. And you know what? People say, well, you know, I got a chip. I got a chip for me. I'm happy for it, but I got Jesus, brother. That's who saved me. So I have to be cautious when I ask the following questions. <laughs> but don't spare the rod, Lord, because you love us. And this, what I'm going to share with you now, is was Ray in the flesh. It was difficult because this is what happens. I want you guys to like me in the flesh. I want to be your friend. But Christ came with the sword, the sword of the word. And he came to tear families apart from each other. And we might not grasp it at times, but we see the end result right here, earlier. So, and don't raise your hands, okay? Don't tell on yourselves, okay? But don't raise your hands, please, because I'll raise my hands with you too, okay? So this is just a time of searching your heart. It, it, it's critical. Every one of you guys here, even the little ones, even the babies right now, Baby Danica, even her, that she was brought into this body of believers when the whole world was falling apart. And he says, I am with you. Look at, look at this child. I'm still in all of it anyways. God works in that. So how many of us really want to please the Father? Don't raise your hands. All of us should, right? We want to please the Father. That's what we desire to do, okay? Uh, drink some water, hold on.
But the real question is this. How many of us think the Father is really pleased with you? As human beings, we try to please others. It's a performance, okay? Whether it be a job, even coming into a body of believers, you know? I don't ever want the title of elder. I just thank God for putting me in that position of his body. The performance should be that everything that we do for Christ should be pleasing to him. That the verbiage that comes out of you should be the language of the Father. That our deeds, our actions, our walk, our talk are of Christ. That we don't settle for anything other than that. Christ alone. Okay. We may please man with our actions. In Romans 3, 23, it says, But all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. And it is only by the precious blood of Jesus that cleanses us as white as snow. Okay. So if he has lavished us with his blood, why do we, go, why do we keep thinking that what I'm doing is pleasing to him? No. Don't think yourself better than what you really are because we're not. I love all you guys, and some of you guys just showed up, but I still love you in Christ. And we shouldn't think anyone here is less than me, you know, because you have tattoos on that. Don't look. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your work. Don't look for the exterior of the man or the woman or how they dress or how they talk. But look at the interior of what is in the heart, the light that is glowing of Christ in them, emitting and everything they do and say. Because when we start looking, thank you, Lord, when we start looking at the man here or on the street that is the Holy of Holies, but the verbiage doesn't sound right. That should be a red flag because the Holy Spirit will prompt you. There's this, there's this, I don't call it a mechanism. It's the Spirit of God telling you something just ain't right. And you pray about it. What's, what's wrong with this? This doesn't seem right. Okay. I'm, I'm about half, about almost halfway done. No. Um, it won't be much longer, I promise you guys. Those who have been called have been called to his for according to his purpose. What's our purpose? Ask yourself that question. What's your purpose? Tony said, fellowship, Austin. Fellowship, Ray. When I first got here, I go, 
Yeah, but I got to keep at least the restrooms. I got to do something. No, just fellowship. Fellowship. No, and, and I know that right now I'm on TV. But, <laughs> oh, Lord. You know, some of these people are going to hate this, but um, fellowship was in the beginning. Fellowship was during. And fellowship will be in the end. In Christ. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Told you guys, I got cut up. Let's talk about, let's talk about some of the scripture that reflects. No, I don't want to say the word reflects. Let's talk about the scripture that teaches us of offering ourselves to the Father as Christ did. A true offering, right? An offering that is pleasing to the Father. Our lives, okay? We know that God gave us life, and he can take our lives when he's ready to. And it wasn't the, the motorcycle wreck that could have took my life. It was the Father that allowed that people to come in front of me. I hit him at 65, and then he spared me, and I got an owie. For six months. And he still spared me. But even that time. <laughs> thank you Lord. Even in that time as he kept me. He drew me out to deeper waters. In my pain. And I'm so thankful for that. So let's talk about what we can. What the Lord can do. In us. As we offer ourselves. As a sacrifice that's pleasing to him. So if we go to the book. Now we're going to go back to the scripture. Psalms 51, 17. Somebody say, I'm there. All right. Praise God. I would have still been using my thumb. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. No more and no less. When we are totally broken... Searching for God, and we believe in our hearts that He is the furthest from us, He is right beside us, even carrying us. Okay? So He's saying that is a sacrifice. And I thought I had it all, I knew it all, but little did I know. That it will come to pass today. And I thank, I thank the Lord for clarity. And I thank that I, I'm so grateful that I can still share my mother's life with you guys. And I'm so blessed that she lives in me because it is Christ that lives in her. That she lives in me. And I, my prayer is too that when I depart this world, that Christ will remain in my son Austin, but it would, I would just be a little piece in there too. That legacy that the Lord talks about, the generations to come. Okay. But I would prefer that he would receive more of Christ and more of Reagan. Matter of fact, I don't even want him to have Reagan's all this. I just want him, oh, Jesus. Okay, let's just keep it real. Christ and more Christ in Austin. 
So upon my mother's death, unbeknowing to me, there was a scripture that my sister read out. And I'll share that with you guys. And it's in the book of Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy, verse, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. And, you know, I, I heard it, and, and, and I was overwhelmed with, with, with losing my mother that I, that I didn't really hear it, how profound it was. It had so much, there was so much meat on that bone that I even ate the bone. Okay. God's word. Okay. And I want to share that with you guys because it's really important how God would take me from a place like that and then bring me to a place here. It's a privilege. It really is. I don't not take this for granted. You know, it's it's God's word. And we cannot take it out of text. We cannot come up here and fool ourselves to think that uh, God gave me a glimpse of something. You know, I, um, you guys, we all have kids, right? You know, and, and sometimes our kids will ask, like, questions. You go, really? You know? And you kind of just look the other way. But now I, I, I picture myself. You know, and because we're all human, we can be at a point sometimes that I can see Moses saying, Lord, uh, are you really going to put that one as number nine? You know, and think about this. Because he was all man, there had to be something there. Even in the presence of the Father. It's not written in Scripture because it doesn't mean anything. But those are the things that we need to take in, in consideration. That God's word stands by itself speaks for itself, and is itself, Christ, okay? And that's, that's it. It's black and white. So it says here in 2 Timothy 4, 6, 8, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. That's the sacrifice. Okay? That's the sacrifice that the Lord finds pleasing in his sight. That it's an aroma. Now, while yet Paul was a murderer, a killer of his own people, that he would manifest himself in them and use them. So when you say to yourself, oh, I'm not good enough, you better think again. You better be the epistles because God considered himself in several epistles a chief of all sinners, the worst of the worst. There is redemption for all of us, okay? And that proves it. In the Old Testament, a drink offering was poured out onto the altar of God. And Paul here is making um, an analogy of it, that he is the drink offering, that God would find him pleasing, that God would f search him. Lord, I know I'm coming to the end, but just let it be that wine offering on the altar. 
because I know I'm not good enough. But let it be pleasing to you, Lord, please. He doesn't say, look at everything I've done. Look at, look at all the shipwrecks I went through. Look at all the beatings, all the cliffs they threw me over. He didn't say that. He says, just let me being beheaded, the blood that runs from me, be a drink offering, Father. Sweet, a sweet fragrance to you on the altar. Okay. It's our obedience. Our lives should be viewed as viewed. Others should see Christ in us. That's what Paul is talking about. We will face trials, tribulations, slander. You name it. But were we not warned already? Did not God said that this is what you will come against? So why do we find ourselves throwing a pity party? We should find we should rejoice in it. We should rejoice in all things. Tony just talked about it earlier. As we rejoice for salvation that came this morning, rejoice that you've been hospitalized because God is doing a work in you at that time. And even though it hurts, Christ embraced the cross for us and his flesh was torn. His beard was pulled. He was mocked, spit on, slapped on. And we're complaining about a, like I say, a paper cut. You know, I don't have enough money. I don't have this. You don't have enough money, but you got a car, you got a house, you got this, you got that. And that doesn't even belong to you. Because naked you came into this world and naked you would leave. So one can say that his life was ending. But Paul is expressing something here. And there was a, a comparison that I, I thought of. The departure. The end of his life. It's like a seaman when they go out to sea. It's the man that goes over to the anchorage of the ship and unloosens the, the rope. And then God is out there. He says, it's finished for you. I've used you already. Now you come home. Come deeper with me now. Into my presence. Face to face. Oh, how beautiful it's going to be. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what he has for store for those who what he has in store for those who love him. We will never understand until we're there. Hallelujah. Last page. You guys being ministered to? Praise God. Because I feel like uh, like an old car up here. I really do. I told my son, I've, it sounds like when you're up there, 
I asked my son when he was like, did it sound like you were in old car? Like, it just feels like you're not even speaking right, but it's the spirit of God. He's moving in all of us. I just pray for clarity for me and for all of you guys. Okay. Timothy 4, 8. This is the last verse. Okay. And now the price awaits me. Now watch this. Watch this real carefully. Now the price awaits Ray, the rates, Tony, Charisse, Isaac, Dan, everyone in here, it awaits him. Oh, Father, I thank you. We are so unworthy that you would even give us a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Isn't not that why we're here? Isn't the reason we do what we do for the Lord why we're here? Why we minister to the brothers? Why we fellowship on Wednesdays? Why there's no checking of the box in this in this body here. There's you know, if you don't read the book of John, ah, oh, you're going to hell. You know, no, there's no requirement. There's no, there's no condemnation in Christ. So why do we keep putting those types of structures on the brothers and sisters that we keep ousting out the door? We become personal escorts. Did you read your Bible? No, I didn't. Okay, you got to go. Lock it up. Right, Brother Solis? I have a lot of questions for the Lord, but after I talk to the Lord, I'm going to speak to Paul. I got a lot of questions for him. But you know, the ironic part about all this is that Paul is here right now. He's in every one of us. Christ is here. And because Christ is here, all the men of Scripture and all the women of Scripture and all the little children, even those that were those that were mutilated and, and thrown up on the cross and set on fire to light the streets of Rome, they are here with us today. The righteousness that Paul is expressing is in Christ. It manifests in us to do the service of what we're called to do. Because we were chosen. A specific assignment. And I tell Brother Tony, I said, you know, we get our marching orders. That's what we do. They're marching orders from the Lord. He gives us an assignment. And he'll see it come into completion. Because his word doesn't return void. He sees it come into completion. He will not stop what he started Okay, he's not listening to me, so I'll just have to use somebody else. No, he continues to woo us. He continues to redeem us from sanctification to sanctification, from glory to glory, daily. Even in our thought life, he says, submit your thoughts to me and the devil will flee. But no, we keep feeding that thought. And then it takes, it goes into your heart and then it takes root. And pretty soon you're, what you fed yourself with 
has taken root and has isolated you from the Father. Because he says he hates sin. He hates it. When we truly long for Christ's return, we should be living in the light of Christ. When we truly are waiting for that glorious event, some will see it and some won't. So we are We are to pour ourselves out. The Father fills us daily, and we should be empty so we can be filled again and again and again. So I'm going to close by, by uh, just saying this, and this is for me too. I don't hold myself, I don't hold myself exempt from the message that the Lord gave me gave us this morning is our lives truly a reflection of Christ can we look in the mirror and see Jesus or do we see that sinful man that we once were but now we call ourselves Christ followers are we an offering are we praising Are we sacrificing ourselves daily to the Father in our thoughts, in our actions, in our words, in Christ? Because as you read the scriptures, the Lord came down from heaven in the form of a man and he gave his life for us obedient to the death the Lord gave his life for us how much more can we give him really I mean ask yourselves that there ain't enough we can do but don't make it a burden because then it becomes back to the old Levitical laws it is by grace okay it is by grace that he's come to redeem us so, Father, I thank you that you would use a nobody to speak to somebody. Father, you are filled, overflowing with grace and mercy for us. Continue, Lord, to lavish us with it. Continue to pour out your spirit in us, Father, so we can be a light and the salt of the world. That it would not be us, Father, speaking in that corner at our work site to our families, to our children at home, but that it would be Christ in us loving the world as you have loved them. And you continue to love on the cross for us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Amen, Amen brother. You don't even know how God used you. This morning. So watch this. Wake up. Right? Watch this. It's late. It's 1230.
Can you believe it? It's a long service. Four. But watch this. As I'm sitting here and our brother's pouring out, and we're all being ministers. You know how long they've had the kids in there now? Two and a half hours. Some of us have been here since 8 o'clock. Right? Didn't even feel like it to me because, I mean, I'm getting ministered to. But I want to say this to, as, as the Lord is quickening me, and this is going to help some of us. You've been asking God, I want to spend more time with you. But you haven't made time, so he made time. And how did he do it? 10 o'clock starts, 10.05 worship starts. It goes a little bit long. Now it's 10.50 after ministry takes place. We take a break. We take a longer break than normal. Now it's 11.30 before the word even starts coming, and he preaches for an hour. It's 12.30. He just gave you more time. Now watch this. This is very important. One hour of preaching two times a week, and that's if you go on Sunday and if you come on another day and you get two hours of preaching a week. That means you only get four days of total time out of the whole year of preaching. Four days out of 365 days. But when we're in that hour, we would say, oh, man. Some of us, not all of us. It's a long time, brother. You know you sleep for 120 days out of the year. Oh, but I like sleeping, don't we all? We find it hard today because of the way they've created church to be. You got this punctuality. You get in, you get out, you get your food, you get a 30-minute sermon, which really doesn't even tell you about Christ, by the way. All it does is make it about you, and then you go on your way and you finish your day, right? Is that the normal church service today? But we would sit for two and a half hours in the church. This is anointing right now. This is what the Lord is speaking to me the whole time. He's saying, I am showing them something. Two and a half hours in an air-conditioned building, in comfortable seats. And we can't get the wiggles out. Right? We're just stomach growling for some of us. I can hear it. Right? Do you know? That Jesus hung on the cross for three hours. And that doesn't count the time of torment and torture to the cross for us that we might have the freedom. That we could then sit in the presence of God under the teaching of God and that we would actually love it. May the Lord refresh us every time the truth is spoken. May our flesh be that until it doesn't even do that. Until it doesn't even do that. And may the spirit of God keep us. I'm just sitting here as I'm listening and I'm thinking, how privileged are we? This is awesome that we get to do this. Because we could have been partying all night, Saturday night. Waking up with a hangover Sunday morning. Miserable for both even having a hangover and ever getting there at all. But we get to listen to the word of God, the truth of God, the fellowship of the brothers and sisters. We get to have, I mean, we're blessed. And a couple things stood out to me and I, I felt the triggering of the Lord and then we're going to pray. And close. God didn't give just a portion of himself. When he was talking about the 10%, we have to realize what God gave him. He gave all of himself to us. 
That's why we give all of ourselves back to him. The other thing he said that he showed me is that the pouring out of the spirit, is it rains on the just and the unjust. And sometimes when we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we want to just expect the good things to happen. Don't you know when the spirit of God is poured out, it wears you down? When Jesus sent the people out two by two and they went to the city and they did not receive, they dust their feet off and said, the kingdom came to you, and they kept moving. Don't you know those that were in there that didn't receive the gospel still fulfilled the very word of God that the gospel would be sent? And sometimes it's at your demise. Sometimes it's at your cost. Sometimes you have to hang on the cross for three hours before you die. Sometimes you need to get fed up with being fed up. Amen. Sometimes the teachers need to go a little bit longer because God's doing something in there too. He's teaching them something right now. Nothing is wasted when the Lord is moving. But we become extreme. We become extreme. We, we want either all of this or all of that. We don't know how to wait upon the Lord anymore. We've lost our wonder. Our wonder has a time limit now. You know why? Because you, you get up in the morning. Man, I feel the presence of God. I got to stop. Because I'll end up I'll have a whole other session right now on deliverance. We'll get up in the morning. We have to get to work. We get to work. We have our maybe three hours before our first 10 minute. And then they, you go back to work, and then you get a 30, and then you go back to work, and then you get a 10. It's okay when you're going to get paid at the end of the day. But when something truly valuable is given to us, which is not carnal, it's eternal life. You know, that our hearts need to grow weary first. Because before you can truly be given the power of God to walk out the call of God, you got to be worn out. You know, like that good trainer, right, that you didn't want to hire, but you hired them anyways. And then when they kick your butt, you're, you're complaining the whole time. But afterwards, you're like, thank you. I needed that. Burgers, sweets. <laughs> and this is it, guys. You're going to leave this place. You're going to go home. Listen, what's really urgent? As, as, we're, as we're in the presence of God right now, what is truly pressing you? Laundry will get done. Now the Lord's saying, do it Saturday. <laughs> your belly will get fed. Husbands, your wife will scratch your back. I like that, by the way. I like the scratch. Everything is fine. But you know what you're walking away with? The thing you've been asking for that you didn't make time for. You said, I want more time with you, Lord. And this is the longest service we've ever had as a church. And he did that for you. He did it. He did what you could not do for yourself. So, Father, we thank you. And even now, we, we just choose in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as a response to you, Father, because of your presence, we have to choose this. We have to respond with have your way. Even next week, when the temptations come to try to stop people from getting in your presence, we still now, even before we get there, we say, have your way. Because we have never been good to ourselves, Lord. We have never let ourselves to your feet. We have never led ourselves to your throne. We've never led ourselves to repentance. We've only led ourselves astray. But you have led us.
to repentance. So have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Hug each other. Love each other. Mean it when you do it. Take a deep breath. <laughs> some of us need to wake up, right? I see some, huh? <laughs> and you don't have to leave quickly. You can still stay if you want. We'll be here, but glory be to God. Amen.